I'm curious, and I want to see your hands. How many of you at some point in your life have prayed for a miracle? Maybe you've prayed for healing or for some other miraculous touch from God. Lots of us. Lots of us have prayed for a miracle in our lives. How many of you have seen God act in a miraculous way after you prayed? Lots of us. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Lots of us have. Now leave your hand up if you prayed for a miracle and you saw something happen but you had to wait. There was a delay between the prayer and the answer. Some of, yeah, lots of you have been there too. It does seem, doesn't it, that sometimes God's timing is not our timing. We pray for a miracle, fully trusting that God will act, and he does act, and sometimes he acts immediately, straight away, but often we have to wait. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at some of the miracles that Jesus performed whilst he was on earth. And this morning, we're looking at an amazing miracle. Jesus raised a man from the dead. But in this case, like has been true for many of us, Jesus' timing was different to what his friends would have liked. Jesus actually waited four days from when this man died until he acted and raised him from the dead. The story's in John chapter 11. If you've got your Bible with you, turn to John chapter 11. If not, you can read along with me on the screen. We're starting at verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So just stop there for a second. Mary and Martha... And this is the Mary and Martha that we hear about later, close friends of Jesus. And they're in a panic because somebody they they love is very sick. He's, He's about to die. And so they send a message to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we've seen you do miracles. We've seen you do amazing things. We know you can help us. We need your help and we need it quickly. Verse 4, when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So Jesus says, I know this is looking bad, but it's not going to end up the way that you think. He said it's for the glory of God. That this is happening. So Mary and Martha are looking at this situation and it doesn't look good. But Jesus, he looks at the same situation and he says, okay, I know things don't look good. But what you need to understand is that there is more going on here than what you can see. 
I've got a divine strategy. And when we're through this, you and everybody else is going to say, what happened couldn't have happened except for the hand of God. And they'll give God the glory. Maybe, maybe you're there right now. Maybe things are going on in your life that aren't good. You're sick, you're out of work, you're struggling financially and you're saying, my life wasn't meant to be like this. This is all not working out how I'd imagined it was going to work out. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. God might be saying to you this morning, this sickness will not end in death. I've got a divine strategy. And when I'm through, it's going to be undeniable that my hand has been involved. And everybody is going to worship me because of what's going on in your life. Let's read the rest of the story. Verse 5. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to, trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought that Jesus meant that Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Yeah, let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to see him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. 
When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see glory, God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Amazing story, isn't it? What I want to do this morning is just spend a little bit of time looking at three of the different characters in the story. The first one we'll have a look at is Thomas. Now, Thomas is known, isn't he, throughout history for what? Doubt. He's known for doubting. And interestingly, he's doubting here. Jesus said he was, he was going to go back to Judea. The disciples said, um, have you forgotten? Last time you were there, they tried to kill you. And I might be wrong, but Thomas's answer to me seems a little sarcastic. Oh, great, he says, let's all go back to Judea and let's all be killed. With Jesus. Maybe you can relate to how Thomas was feeling. Maybe for you, things aren't good. In fact, things seem to be getting worse in your life. You know Jesus is there, but it doesn't feel like he's there. You've prayed for something but it seems like heaven is silent. And you're wondering, God, I'm praying and nothing's happening. Are you even there? Are you real? If you are there, are you good? And if you are good and you are there, 
can you do something about what I'm going through? And if you can, why aren't you? I don't understand. Is it me? Is it you? I don't understand what's going on. Maybe like Thomas, you're, you're struggling with some very real doubts. And then there was Martha. Many of you will be able to relate to her. Martha was struggling with the delay. What was the problem? Why was it taking Jesus so long to do anything? Verse 17 said that when Jesus arrived, he found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Lazarus had been dead for four days. And Martha, she's really struggling with the delay. In verse 21, Martha says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. There's nothing wrong with her faith. But she's struggling with why Jesus took so long to get there. Why did you wait four days? What were you thinking? Some of you can relate to Martha. You're in the delay. I'll never forget the pastor of our church when I was a teenager, standing in the pulpit with tears in his eyes as he said, I've prayed for my son for 33 years and this week he gave his life to Christ. For 33 years this man had prayed for his son while he rejected God, he was in and out of prison He lived the kind of life that breaks parents' hearts. And for 33 years, that pastor lived with the delay. I'm praying, but what are you doing, God? What's with the delay? And maybe you're there. Maybe you're praying for somebody that you love to come to know Jesus. Or you're praying for healing for yourself or for somebody that you love, and and nothing. And you're saying to God, what's with the delay? Thomas was struggling with doubt. Martha was struggling to understand the delay. And then there's Mary. Verse 20 says that when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary, she just stayed home. Can you feel the the discouragement? Why even bother? He's dead. He's been dead for four days. Nothing's going to happen now. It's too late. Maybe if Jesus had come when we called him, maybe it might have been different. But now it's no use even bothering Maybe you can relate to Mary. I know I can. I don't know how many people I've prayed for and it seems like God isn't answering. And the thought comes, why do I bother? God isn't doing anything. Maybe you felt like that too. Why even bother? Nothing's going to happen. It's no use. It's too late. Thomas 
was struggling just to have faith, struggling with doubt. Martha, struggling with the delay. Mary, just plain discouraged. So what does Jesus do with their doubt and their disappointment and their discouragement? They're all around the tomb. And there must have been a lot of grief and tears happening. Verse 35 says, Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him. Jesus wept. He cried. Think about that. Think about the irony of it. Here is the Son of God and he was about to do what? He was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that in the next moment he was going to speak and Lazarus would walk out of the tomb dragging his grave clothes with him. And yet he wept. Why? Because that's how much he cares for his children. That's how much. He was weeping because he was hurting. He was crying because his children were hurting. There's a powerful counselling technique where someone who's had pain and suffering in their life is asked, where do you think Jesus was when that was happening? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Where was Jesus when that was happening to me? Where is Jesus now when I'm going through this suffering, this pain, this grief? The story gives us the answer. Where is Jesus when I'm hurting? Where is Jesus when I'm waiting? Where is Jesus when everything's falling apart? He's right there with you. And he's crying too. And he's holding you until the tears go away. Some of you are there in that season. The season between the death and the power of the resurrection. You're in the delay and the doubts and the disappointments, they're real. The delay is obvious and you're struggling with that. During that time, Jesus will hold you until the tears go away. But never forget this. Never forget that God's delays are not God's denials. When the timing was right, Jesus wiped his tears and he said, Lazarus, come out. 
We read about it over and over in Scripture, in the lives of people like Joseph and Moses and Noah and Paul. The delays are not necessarily denials. When the time is right, God will act. And there will be no doubt about the fact that he has acted and he will be glorified. And whilst God might act and you might experience miraculous healing or dramatic answers to your prayers, the miracle might happen in other ways too. The miracle may be the supernatural peace that you experience in the midst of your struggle. The miracle might be the way that you courageously battle your cancer but you never stop caring about other people. The miracle might be the way that you rise above your disability. The miracle might come 33 years later when everybody else has given up on your boy. It's a powerful story with, with important lessons for us. We might be doubting. We might be struggling with the delay. We might have even given up on Jesus ever doing anything. But Jesus' words to his friends are his words to us today too. This sickness, and you can insert your struggle there, this conflict, this depression, this financial crisis, this family struggle, this job insecurity or unemployment, this thing that you're struggling with, this will not end in death. God knows what's going on for you. He has a plan and he has a purpose for you and it includes this season that you're in. And he is right with you, feeling your pain, crying with you even, and he will act. Maybe not in the same time frame that you would like. Maybe not even in the way that you would like, but he will act. And in everything... He will be glorified. Let's pray together. Lord, we believe that you are a God of miracles. That you have the power to do amazing things. But some of us are struggling. Life has dealt us some hard blows and we're struggling to make sense of it all. Some of us, like Thomas, have got significant doubts. Some of us are like Martha. We've asked you to do something, but there's, there's a delay and we feel like nothing's happening. And some of us are like Mary. Our faith is weak. We're disillusioned. We're saying, I pray and I pray 
and nothing happens. What's the point? If you relate to any of those feelings this morning, I want to pray for you now. I pray that the miracle-working power of Jesus would touch your heart, touch your faith, touch your body, touch your relationships, touch your loved ones, touch your mind, touch your attitude. I pray that you would be able to see that there is a divine strategy in place that maybe you can't understand at the moment and that you would have the faith to trust in God's goodness and to know that his plan and his purpose for your life is perfect and that he will and he is acting. I pray that you would know in a very real way the presence of your Lord and your Saviour holding you and weeping with you. I pray that you would know that for his glory, God is going to work. Maybe not exactly the way you want him to. Maybe not exactly in your timing but he will act, working in all things to bring about good. Lord, we choose to put our faith in you, even though our circumstances may not make sense. We choose to trust you. We choose to be patient. We know that you're acting. We know that you will act. And because of that, we give you all the glory and the honour that you deserve. Amen.